0: Hello, and welcome to the College Admissions Decoded Podcast, an occasional series from the National Association for College Admission Counseling, or NACAC. NACAC is an association of more than 15,000 professionals who support and advise students and families through the college admission process. I'm Mary Stegmaier, Assistant Director for Editorial Content and Outreach in NACAC's Communications Department. I'm joined today by three longtime members of the association and experts in the field of college admission. We have with us Earl Makeham, college counselor at Mary Institute and St. Louis Country Day School in St. Louis, Missouri.
1: Hi, hi. Happy to be here.
0: Nancy Gibson, Senior Associate Director of Admission at Denison University in Grainville, Ohio. Thanks for having me. And Tavara Stith, Vice President for KIPP Through College and Career in Washington, D.C. Great to be here. Various magazines and websites publish their college rankings every year, generating a lot of attention from the media, colleges, and college-bound students and their families. But what are they really telling you? Should these rankings have any influence on what college you choose? And why do they generate so much anxiety? Thank you all for joining me today. Let's dig in. Starting us off, Earl, what are rankings?
1: Well, you know, they're uh, a... Uh, They're a way to kind of order things together. And depending on what publication you subscribe to, I believe rankings uh, simply is a way to launch somebody into more research. Hopefully not necessarily fixated on the numbers necessarily and the names, Mm -hmm. but a way for students that I counsel to produce a list and then really go from there.
0: Nancy, what exactly then do rankings measure, and what do they mean?
2: Yeah, so resources like U.S. News and World Report um, use 16 different metrics to measure areas like graduation and retention rates, student-teacher ratios endowment, which are the financial resources, um, faculty salaries, alumni giving, um, and each of those areas are given a specific percentage um, of weight. So, for example, a large percentage can typically go to graduation and retention rates. Recently, they added a social mobility score as well for a college's success in graduating students who receive Pell Grants as well. And obviously, there are a lot of different opinions on college rankings.
0: Is there useful information that that the rankings give to students and in families
3: Certainly. I think uh, the the downside is that people are looking at that overall number and what it means about a college instead of really digging into the meat of how colleges score on some of the metrics that Nancy was just mentioning. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that as we look at the useful information they might have, a great example is social mobility of the students who come from the most under-resourced backgrounds. How often are those students graduating from college and graduating from that particular college in six years? years, which is the number that we measure across uh, the United States and measure most colleges by, when we look at that number, we might be um, astounded by how some schools are doing with their overall rankings when we think about students who are well-resourced. But when we really dig into whether or not they're providing opportunities to change the trajectory of student families and certain communities, we'll see that they might uh, not be succeeding as, as much. And so what I would advise is that a student not just look at that big old number, you're ranked mm-hmm. number one or 22 or 302, but that you go into the details of what each number uh, means and make those useful. The other thing is a ranking is only going to be as useful as that piece of information being useful to you. And so for a student who's well-resourced, the Pell uh, graduation rate number might not be so important to them. Mm -hmm. But for a student who knows they're going to access Pell, that would be an important number for them. So as you look at the rankings, you also have to search yourself first. Mm
0: -hmm. But we know that there are also some pitfalls. And sometimes students and families Rely a little bit too heavily on rankings. What are some words of warning that you may have for students who are listening, or for or for parents?
1: I would say just don't be so fixated on the number. Um, as Tavera said, you know whether it's one twenty-two or three hundred two, you know that particular college, no matter what rank it is, and no matter what publication it's ranked in, could be an excellent match and fit for the student if they took the time. To actually investigate all the factors and all the aspects of that particular college, for some students, number five hundred two would be uh, the greatest fit in the world. That's number
0: one um, for them. Exactly, okay. that
1: would be number one in their book. That's that's a, that's exactly right. And and um, you know, I think students and families really should use it just as one tool in an overall college search process. There are so many different other tools that they can use. Um, one of the other factors, one of the other rankings uses a student engagement. And I think that that's crucial to get some anecdotal feedback for the students who, the current students at that school who are in the trenches and perhaps an anecdote or two, a story or two may catch the students' and family's eye and encourage them to to do a little bit more digging at that particular college.
0: Like you said, using rankings as a starting point, a way to learn about different colleges yes. and perhaps get some, some good information from some of the factors within the rankings, but the big numbers themselves, not so helpful.
3: We also have to be mindful that ranking lists are often done geographically or by size of school. And so I think we have to think about who the schools are being compared to and what other subgroups we're, we're comparing them to. One of the best examples is um, the best colleges list has rankings of colleges and lots of different groups, but a group that we don't always talk about are historically Black colleges and universities. What they've done is instead of just comparing those schools to other universities, they've done some rankings and comparing those schools to themselves. And And I think that's important because of the majority of students that they serve. And so I think there are a thousand examples where a student can't just say, here's how a school is ranked, but who's it being ranked against? And then going deeper into that information. But if our emphasis is just on the number, we're always going to get a little bit lost in that not really being useful information. I think one other thing that's important to
2: keep in mind, too, is that Um, You know, on lists like U.S. News and World Report, colleges are actually asked to rank each other, and sometimes that can be challenging as you think about it. It can create problems because a lot of times people are looking at other schools based on – supposed reputation and things like that and it makes it very difficult. So you've got that as an element too that's actually in that score
0: you, that brings up a really interesting point. What are some things about rankings that you wish students knew that we just don't often think about? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think I think for me, I would love to see more on outcomes um, on you know what students are actually, going on and doing the experiences that they're having, like that's hard to measure. Um, I know there is a Gallup poll out there that said that um it's all about the relationships and that those connections basically that are the most important things that are happening on campuses and that can be tough to
3: measure. To so
0: put a number on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm.
3: I think if we could use another analogy, something else that we rank all the time, and that's cars. I'm I'm a car person. <laughs> I enjoy a good vehicle. When you look at the rankings of cars, they're sometimes based on things that the average driver isn't going to pay attention mm-hmm. to. And so this car is ranked best in class for, you know, Back seat room. I, I never sit in the back of my car, so I don't really care about that. Um, but this car is ranked for best gas mileage, or how it uh, tested in collision testing, and that kind of thing. When you look at these rankings, you don't look at the methodology and what they mean. You may end up with a vehicle that is very fine, but it doesn't suit your needs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true of the colleges themselves. When we think about this piece around the best fit for me, when I'm talking to students, one of the things I I do hard on is this idea of outcomes. And so when we're looking at the rankings, we don't always see numbers like how many of the students who majored or were interested in pre-medicine actually went off to medical school. That requires a, a much digger deep into what happens with, with schools and what the numbers really are for a particular school. So I think rankings in most cases are a great starting point. I think they seldom are sort of that ending point for a student, but if they get you kind of thinking 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 about schools you never thought about before, Mm -hmm. then they're somewhat doing their job. Like, hey, I've never heard of this school. When I worked at Swarthmore, we used to joke um, that uh, no kid walks around with a Swarthmore t-shirt on, because that's a lot of words for a little tiny, you know, (laughs) t-shirt. And so sometimes kids know schools for arbitrary reasons. But this idea of when we look at just the rankings of a school, does it tell the whole story of that university? Oftentimes, students will say, well, I'm going to apply to school that's ranked second, third, and fourth. And I'm like, those schools couldn't be more different. And so have you really done your research?
0: Mm -hmm. So doing the research, what then are some of the questions that students should ask when they're going through that process?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the important things I always say to students is, you know, think about where you want to spend the next four years of your life. And then obviously, it's really about doing a personal assessment Mm -hmm. and like, what do I actually want? I went through the process with my kids. One of my children stayed close to home, went to a small school. My son went to a large school far away, you know, and and just even siblings have very different things that they're looking for in a college. And to really do that personal assessment to figure out what exactly Mm -hmm. is it that I want Mm -hmm. makes a huge difference.
1: When I Work with students at my school. Um, uh, we start with them very early in the process in their freshman year. By the time they get to that 11th grade year where we really start putting pen to paper in the search process itself, we're hoping over the course of those two and a half years, they have done an investigation of what they like and what they dislike, what they can check in the box and what they can check out of the box, so that when we start to have the conversation about, yes, this might be your list or this might be your launching pad to more research, we have an understanding of what types of schools might be attractive to that particular student. I think it's important for them to really understand where they can live for four years, what's gonna make them happy, and what's gonna make them flourish. Because I'm a true believer in this fit, where if it does fit like a glove, you'll flourish like a flower. Um, I mean, that is one of those things that, (laughs) that, well, you know, and I'm not, I didn't invent it. Okay, I'm not gonna coin it, I'm not gonna trademark it. It's just been something that's been driven into us as college counselors is, is that it's gotta fit. And it could fit in the middle of wherever. As long as it is home to them and they can call it home for four years, they'll sink their teeth in the experience. They'll take advantage of everything that is on that campus, and their end result outcome will be successful to them. And that success is truly and honestly defined by the student, not by a ranking. Mm -hmm.
3: One of the things I have students look at is kinds of schools. Like right there in the heart of the U.S., she's in Ohio. Um, If a student says, I really want a big school, we know that, you know, you can throw a stone and hit a big school in Ohio, right? But you might say, well, that's a kind of school. I don't know if I can get all the way to Nebraska or if I can get California to look at some of those schools, but I know I can look at a kind of school that's that size or um, a small liberal arts college or those kinds of things. And so as students are exploring in the search, particularly having a mind on students who might not be as well resourced to go and fly all these different places to see schools, they can certainly explore with what's online. There's so many videos and social media posts and other things about schools, but they might start off with a kind of school and the rankings might be the first way to do that. This school is ranked first when it comes to this kind of program. I'm interested in international business. Wait, I didn't know the school had a great um, international business program. Let me compare these. Um, the flip side of that is sometimes when students say what they're interested in and they'll say, well, I want to be a psychology major. Well, we know under psychology there are a thousand different things. So what does the number one ranked psych program really mean when there could be neuroscience or developmental science or how are those things being broken down? So the first part is maybe um, allowing students to sort of go, uh-huh, about a school they hadn't thought about. And then as they dig deeper, what they may find found are questions that they're now asking of schools they knew a whole lot about that they didn't know to ask.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have, um, especially Earl and Tavera, have you ever worked with students where it's hard to get them or their parents to look past the rankings? And, and in those cases, what have you done to, to try to flip the conversation, to open up more viewpoints?
1: All the time, um, there are students and families who, again, are married to the numbers in that particular publication. My job, and I say this often to the students I work with, is just to broaden their perspective, to dig deep and find out why a certain school might be a decent match for them. If I am constructing a research list for them, um, I often say to my students that um, you might not have heard of this school But I know based on your factors, I know that it fits one or two or three of those factors. And now my job is to tell you about it. And your job is to research it. I try hard and and to finesse that particular conversation, knowing our families well and knowing um, kind of the values and the the thoughts behind higher education and the families we work with is key to be able to have that type of conversation.
3: I also think colleges are so nimble and they're changing and growing all the time. And so I always want to be careful when a student says, this is the best program for X, because there could be an opportunity that a college is doing. They've always had a music program, but now they're trying to expand that to music industry work. Mm -hmm. And they're using the sort of real great foundation they have in one area to explore another area. Now, if I went solely by the rankings because of the infancy, of that program, a student might not actually, um, you know, it might not be very high ranked. But when you look at the individual at attention, a program that's relatively new, already accredited but relatively new, is going to get, that student is going to really connect with the best of the best uh, when it comes to that. I think the other thing is when I'm talking to parents about rankings, their information is both correct and slightly false. <laughs> they've looked at the number and they've said like, this is what the number says. Um, And and they've taken a lot of information that they have about schools that they've heard of the most and sort of uh, paid attention to that. The other thing is our students are often looking at schools from an undergraduate perspective. And we know that there's influence of having uh, large graduate school programs at some of the larger universities. And so I have to say to students sometimes, if you wanna study something like biology, certainly if you go to a large university, you're gonna interact with some of the best researchers and professors that there are, but you're more of someone who likes the hands-on approach. And so I would argue that maybe going to a smaller school where that might not be the first thing they're known for, but there's a professor who chose to work there because they're really excited about interacting with students. So sometimes there's so much more information that we learn when we lead with our heart first and not our head. Anyone who starts with the rankings is leading with their head, but we want to make sure students are making heart and head choices when it comes to college. When you have rankings that are looking like at endowment,
2: but, you know, you're doing really amazing things and having students that are thriving, but your endowment isn't high, then you're lower on the list, you know, and and it's just not necessarily speaking to what's happening on those campuses. It's also interesting that... Colleges oftentimes don't move very far on the list either. It's just hard to kind of put all of the weight into the rankings just because it's not necessarily a true reflection of everything that's happening on all of these great campuses, and you know that there's a great fit out there for so many students.
0: With your work with students, what are the things that really make a difference? What are the factors that impact their experience once they're on campus?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, um, you know, when students are willing to try, when they're willing to step outside their comfort zone, wow, you know, I always say I can – it's just amazing to kind of see students – to be on a campus and to see students – grow um, right before your eyes. When they take advantage of things, it might be a student who came who never thought they'd study abroad and then they go abroad with their class um, in a seminar and have an experience like that. Or they take advantage of an internship and all of a sudden they're turned on to a particular career they never thought they'd pursue. It's when they're willing to kind of step outside of those comfort zones that I think you really see them doing incredible things. I
3: always tell students when they're looking at their list and they're thinking about schools, a school, a list is only as good as you'll go to the most likely school on the list. So sometimes students say, well, I could get in there anyway, well, that doesn't make it bad. It just means that you've worked really hard and you can get in there. Why is it? Because it's something that you could have admission to. You don't want to go, right? So that's one thing. The other thing is we often change our minds. I think students should um, maybe think about a school in terms of this is going to be my major and this is really what I want to do. But sometimes we get there and we say, I don't know, chemistry is not for me. <laughs> or I think I really want to explore that. Or I heard great things about the business program here. So you want to pick a school that has multiple majors that you can find yourself satiated with and excited about. So once you make those really critical friendships, you know where the dining hall is and where to get the late night pizza. You don't want to transfer. You want to stay because you have those creature comforts. But you want to make sure um, a campus is going to have multiple things that you're interested in. Because sometimes we think something is what we really want to do. But the more we dig in, we might change our minds. And I still want to be in love with my school.
0: Well, that was a great conversation. Thank you all. I think you have done a great service to our students out there who are always confused about <laughs> rankings. Thank you all for, for listening. Please leave a review and rate us on iTunes as your feedback helps shape the show. Thank you. Thank, thank, thank you. you.
3: Thanks for joining us for this episode. I'm Jane Kathlyn fonash president of NACAC, College Admissions Decoded is a podcast from NACAC, the National Association for College Admission Counseling. It is produced by Lantigua Williams & Co. Cedric Wilson is our mixer. Emma Forbes is the show's assistant producer. If you would like to learn more about NACAC's guests, our organization, and the college admission process, visit our website at www.nacacnet.org.